Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, powered by SpannersReady.com, bringing you F1 blogs, reviews, podcasts, and occasionally news. Today's episode is called The Last Day of Term. Joining me tonight... Reminiscing this and that, having such a good time. Oodalati, oodalati, golly, what a day. It's Matt. Two rumpets. How's it going, old man? Oh, it's going great. Thank you for reminding me of that particular milestone I'd rather not think about. Oh, that's right. You got a special card in the post this week. Yes, I did. It was so delightful from the AARP. And those of you who are from the US will know exactly what that means. That's sort of the equivalent for us of getting your bus pass. That's what we call yeah. that. So basically, yeah. you're officially old now, not just me ripping you. Yeah, I am officially, at least chronologically old. Tell you what, today was like the last day of term, wasn't it, in F1? It was rules out of the window. Bring your own games to school, uh, drive where you want, no track limits, say what you want on the radio, uh, bring your own clothes to the to the paddock. It was mental. It was like at that point where they're just like, we're just going to watch movies all day and eat popcorn. Woohoo! Exactly. And it's not your real teacher. It's just some drunk who's coming off the street with some fake qualification. Which makes it kind of like the podcast. Yeah, that's true. Hey, I tell you what, last week I thought we had lost all our Swedish listeners. Uh, because of my assertion that Marcus Ericsson should live in the sea rather than being an actual F1 driver. Uh, but we did get a message from Felix Bolin, uh, who said on the Missed Apex Facebook page, Swede here, absolutely nothing wrong with Marcus Ericsson bashing. He's honestly not that good. Great show. So we kept at least one. Yes, yes. Well, and, and the whole business implications of the purchase of Sauber are kind of fascinating too. So, unfortunately, Ericsson looks to be here for rather the long term. The problem is, although he may not be good, he's also not a Maldonado. He's not like a really random result generator in the way that you'd like for him to be. 
No, I think uh, Mr. Gutierrez might be taking that. But, uh, you know, that's a bit of an aside for later. Uh, thanks to Felix then, who left that comment in the Missed Apex Facebook page. Search Missed Apex Podcast on Facebook. There is 163 people in that Facebook group. You could be the 164th. It's taking longer and longer to say the number of people in there. So for those of you just finding us, we're an independent podcast hosted by SpannersReady.com, the home of Dad Hub Podcast, F1 articles, and very shortly, some Formula E stuff. We're electric. That's what I say on e-radio. We aim to bring you the race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. This show is also safe for work. We're keeping it clean here so you can play this with kids in the background or at work. That's the housekeeping out of the way. Matt, should we bring some guests on? Yes, yes, indeed we should. It's a bit of an anti-climax because we've been sorting out our summer schedule and those guests are a lot better than the guys we're bringing on today. Yeah, I know, but they do make uh, useful houseplants for the show, I will say. What's that stuff they mix in with the good bits of Chinese takeaway? Is it cabbage? They just put cabbage in there. Cabbage and green peppers, you know. Basically, so the cabbage of the podcast from Forming Spy, it's Chris Rainbow Sparkle Stevens. Hey, Chris. Hello. Rainbow Sparkles, again, I don't, I, I can't pick this up. I, don't, I just don't get it. Now, Not a brony. Uh, <laughs> excellent. You weren't going to come on today because you said you weren't feeling well. And this has happened before. You said you weren't going to come on. And then you see me say something in the WhatsApp group that you disagree with and you suddenly feel the need to come on. Now, I've got a feeling that that's why you're here today and not on your sickbed. No, no. Genuinely, I, during the race, I just started to feel better. But then after the race, I started to feel like rubbish again. So I think Formula One cures uh, illnesses. Mm. I thought I'd power through. Yeah, maybe Formula One is an alternative medicine. And rounding us off, the pepper in our beef and black bean sauce. It's Ryan Ferret Ferris from Downforce Radio, the nation's motorsport station. Sup, sup, spanners. Is that it? Sup? Sup, yeah. <laughs> Inspiring. Why, why is he the pepper? Uh, well, I don't know. He's slightly less disgusting than you, I suppose. Remember, chat room, that you can call in. Turn your phone on 0115-888-APEX. I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, let's get to the bit I like to call pre-race tidbits because that's what someone wrote in the notes once and we've stuck with it. I love it. I put the notes up on a Friday and then I check back in. Someone's written something in there and you can tell definitely who it is, and I know that Matt wrote this. The not entirely Spanish Arcan drives Parma's Renault again, foreshadowing nothing. Are you implying that there's some sort of ominous dark cloud over Parma's career? Oh, no, no, no. Why would I <laughs> foreshadow that just because, well, of his results, maybe, say, for example? Yeah, I, I really did feel for him after the British Grand Prix. Uh, no, sorry, after the Hungarian Grand Prix where he lost it. And See, it, my point yeah, already made. And one of the interviews he did today was, well, I was very good last week for all but one corner. So now this week, I'm going to try and be good for all the corners. And of course, he he instantly didn't do that <laughs> into the side of a Williams. But but never mind. Uh, do you think that they're lining Ocan up for the end of the season? Or you suspect sooner than that? Well, I'm not sure it's going to be Ocon to Renault. The, the, the rumor on the street is that he will be assisting Pascal Verline at Manor next year. But that doesn't mean that Palmer is going to stick around no. either. 
And speaking of people not sticking around, Chris, we did have it confirmed that Allison, uh, James Allison, was leaving Ferrari. The worst kept secret in F1? Not necessarily that he was going to be leaving. Um, I mean, it, it's it's no secret what's been happening in his personal life. I mean, it was very um, sad that he lost his wife at the beginning of the season. And I think it's you know perfectly understandable that he wants to spend more time back in the UK with his family and to maybe start working with a, a British-based team. Yeah, I think um, I think it's been very heavily covered in the week uh, this, so we can get to what everyone's been very, very excited about before the race was the rules, which got eaten, basically. No rules whatsoever. Who who wants to go on the fact that the, the FIA kind of, they just, there was uh, so much social media pressure on them, they just went, fine, fine, okay, whatever, just, 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 just leave us alone, fine, no rules at all. Yeah, that pretty much covers it. Okay, good. <laughs> but, but Chris, you were kind of, you're going, see, this is what happens when we fight and our tweets make a difference. They don't, but this is what you thought. They, they, they do. Honestly, social media has had such an amazing impact on uh, just sport in general, you know, because your, your voice gets heard. And I think that's really, really great. And it, it definitely becomes a clearer image of what the fans want from a sport it's a collective voice does it though because what you've got is you've got vocal you've got vocal people on both ends of the spectrum so they do plan a and a lot of people get angry and upset so they go the other way to say that and then the other half of the internet goes mad and if you keep bouncing between the two it it just it's just awful leadership they need a vision and they need to follow it through not just keep cracking to pressure i'm getting a nod from matt which i like so i'm gonna go to him instead Yeah, well, this is absolutely the case. You can go back years and decades even, and you see the same thing with regards to the regulations. They're generally written reactively to things that have already happened, and they are generally not always entirely thought through. The 107% rule is a classic example where, okay, the, the rule worked fine for a long time until you ran into this one situation where you had an hour long session one where the weather changed completely and half the people who made it to q3 technically should have started from the back due to the way the rule was written they didn't think about what happens if the weather changes and we have a lot of red flags maybe you can excuse that because it's just like one guy with a cocktail napkin apparently writing these things (laughs) but having said that not having a mechanism in place to deal with it is really the problem and the other problem is and i think this has been just in general, how Tote has wanted to run the sport, which is by consensus, and it's not going to happen. You have to decide what the sport is, then you have to decide how to commercially market it, and then you have to take the technical advice of the teams as to how best to achieve it. And it's clear that you know the lunatics are running the asylum at this point. Yeah, I think you've hit the you've hit on something there, which is it's it's being a process. It's done by committee, and when things are done by committee, they take ten times as long. And they take and they cost ten times as much. When there's no, it doesn't seem to be just a Steve Jobs type figure who's got a vision and says, "Here's what I want F1 to be this time next year." Now let's do the things to to work towards that. Have we have we actually gone through like what the what the changes uh, are? No, but does everyone know? No, but you you could have you could have listened and that would have helped in that process. You look really sleepy. 
Uh, I'm just, I, I just, my bed's right behind me and it's calling me. Um, <laughs> All right, but, no, okay, um, so, okay, so no, let's, let, 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 let's list the changes then. The, the main ones, the main, the main ones we want to do are track limits, uh, the radio restriction and binning the halo. So we can save the yeah. halo and those concepts for, for a tech time. Um, there was just as many drivers, it seemed, that were disappointed by it not going through. But, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's, cool. it's still an option for 2018. But, um, yeah, the, the, the track limits, yeah. it was uh, a case of, fine, you do whatever you want, which isn't really, I think, the answer a lot of people were looking for from the FIA. Uh, what a lot of fans want, really, is just consistency uh, across the season. And we haven't really been getting that to to be honest and we didn't get that this weekend it has to be said because they were changing what they deemed was off the track um between sessions almost between free practice and then through qualifying and they eventually um agreed on the concept of yeah if you're on the blue and white curbs then that's fine but as soon as you get out onto the astroturf then that's not okay that kind of sounds like there's a track limit that they can't exceed they're well, I mean, there's really... a white line that I would rather use as a ballpark. but Yeah, so what's been happening is that in the driver's meeting, they've been sitting down and looking at the track, and the drivers have been agreeing, okay, we all know that if we go wide at turn three and we go wide at turn 17, to just make up an example, that we get a huge advantage time-wise. And then Charlie's been saying, okay, we're going to strictly enforce track limits there but not necessarily any other place because I don't think they get in I don't think you gain an advantage being off the track. Now with turn one this week, it was interesting because technically the strategy group called for, I think, you know, basically give up on track. limits. Charlie said that ain't going to fly. And then not once, not twice, but three times changed his idea of where track limits should be. And eventually he went with, because of the nature of the curbing out of turn one, the, far side of the curbing of turn one, which where the AstroTurf begins. And you can talk advantage, you can talk no advantage, but all you really have to do is have a look at the start of the race when young Max Verstappen yeah. made full use of that extra width of curbing, went right round his teammate who expressed a great deal of surprise that there was any grip out there. I think he's been hanging out with Jensen. And and got past him into second place for quite some time. And yeah. had Red Bull not cocked up his tire strategy, he probably would have finished P2 and not P3. Yeah, well, that's right. In the interview room, in the warm down room afterwards, yeah, Ricardo was just like, was it all right out there? Max like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. One thing I was hoping to, to get out of this, this rule change, if the FIA is saying we're not going to uh, impose any rules, what I was hoping that they were going to end up doing because of that was take a, a sort of step back to how tracks uh, used to deal with this problem, say five to 10 years ago, which was by having grass and gravel, thinner curbs, more aggressive curbs uh, as well, and more Astro as opposed to the much wider, flatter curbs and runoff areas that we see on tracks these days. You bring up a very interesting point because I know that later on in the show, we're going to talk about a thing that happened in the race. And if you watch the analysis uh, post-race of that thing on Sky, you saw Anthony Davidson make a very important point, which is that the thing that happened today would not have happened had there been grass outside of the turn where the thing that we're going to discuss later happened, happened. The thing, we might just skip over that, actually. Nah, 
Now, I suppose we have to address the thing that happened. Remain indoors. And and that, that to me, I think you're right. And we've learned from uh, Summers that one of the main strikes against grass is that the FIA has a hard time modeling cars trajectory when they get onto it. Hmm. And I think that is really why you've seen so much grass disappears because the FIA can model where the cars are going when they're off track and plan the barriers accordingly much more easily. But I don't see it as being uh, a barrier to putting a strip of grass right outside the curb to keep drivers from taking advantage where it's not warranted. Yeah, well... um... You were saying earlier about how uh, tracks about five years ago or so uh, used to be if you ran off, you'd go straight onto uh, AstroTurf. And I think one of the reasons why they sort of started to go back on that was the fact that I think it might have been Korea um, uh, where uh, Hamilton went over the stretch of grass, uh, AstroTurf and he just ripped up the AstroTurf and had it flailing off his car for the rest of the race. And I think... They, Austin, had, I think it was Austin. Uh we had incidents like that in stuff like GT racing and all, all that. So they decided this isn't really a good idea because all that's happening is when they run off, it's just going to tear up the AstroTurf. Uh, by the way, quick aside, did anyone see the GP, I think it was GP3 or GP2, where what, someone came in, T-bowed someone and left their front wing just sticking out from behind their front wheel. So this guy's trying to nurse it back to the pits with a whole front wing extending out from his car. That was funny. He didn't make it. He crashed into a wall. It was very, very messy. Just to go back to the um, thing about grass and and gravel, there are a couple more races on the F1 calendar now that are appearing on the MotoGP calendar, uh, Austria in particular. And Austria is going to see a big uh, shake-up in terms of its runoff. I mean, the runoff at the penultimate corner, that's got to go. There's no way that MotoGP can use that because it's incredibly unsafe. They've got to move a lot of the barriers back as well. And, you know, the little kink before turn two, that's actually considered a corner in MotoGP. They can't cruise and take that easy flat. They've got to properly lean on it. It's a separate corner, so they need to work on that as well. So for for stuff like that, it happens when um, world superbikes get used at tracks like Monza as well you know we're, we're going to see the, no one the cares about bikes t what's the chat room up to fascinating chris thanks for that right <laughs> uh the cart is 72 uh i just got here did i miss much mg5904 only that spanners hates thunderbeast and refuses to introduce him at the top of the show oh my god thunderbeast precisely <laughs> i could be spending time with my family right now steven seven steven 94 spanners discovered he can pick his nose behind his mic without anyone seeing the cart is 72 i thought that's what pop screens were for so you can pop your finger in your nose. Unbelievable, T. It's because you left. You've left twice now, and you keep coming back when you've got free time. Uh, very happy to have you, Tony Thunderbeast Barnard, looking after the chat room. Of course, welcome to the chat room as well. That's an absolute host fail. Uh, anything F1 related in there, apart from just busting my chops? <laughs> yes, uh, 5904. It, he thought, talking about... The Halo, it's a done deal for 18, I thought, or some sort of cockpit protection, if not Halo. Ryan's nodding uh, his head there, yeah. Yeah, he also said, uh, what's wrong with the electric sensors used back at Hungary? I thought everybody liked that system. Yeah, I like that system as well. And I'll tell you what, the, the next evolution of that system is to then add in a, a red rev limiter or a throttle kill so that when you exceed the track limits, 
you your throttle goes down, and that works. Or the shot colour that we discussed the other week. Right. N- yeah, fine. We'll just we'll set. It's the for same that. technology, just a different device at the end of it. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, of course, the other thing was radio bands. Ryan, we are now allowed to tell people whatever we want. Is that yeah. good? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I think we heard a lot more on the radio, and it sort of felt like um, the race wasn't so. I, I don't know. I liked. I'd like the thought of being able to uh, hear what the uh, teams are saying, and uh, it goes back to. Uh, I I heard Nigel Roebuck uh, talking about he used to have um, a special radio device back in the eighties, back when we weren't able to hear what everyone was saying. And he was able to tune in to everyone's radio, uh, uh, like everyone's radio, and hearing what they were saying. So like he could tune into Ayrton and speak into the McLaren pit wall and all that sort of stuff. And I think that sort of thing uh, is brilliant. I mean, they do it in Formula E where we actually get a live feed of it. Yeah, where we can actually speak to the driver behind the safety car. Yeah, well, I, the way I see it, if you're going to ding the FIA for ridiculous decisions, we got to applaud them for making the right ones. And the decision on radio regulations basically is fine with me for the following reason. The teams no longer have a mute button. And we saw that actually play out today when Vettel was arguing with his engineer about coming in for tires. And the team was like, yes, well, Sebastian, we know you could stay out several laps longer, but we were kind of hoping to undercut one of those Red Bulls, at which point Verstappen immediately dove in the pits and put on new tires, thereby rendering the whole strategy moot, as they like to say. Cool. So we've decided we sort of like what they did but we wish that there was a vision rather than a reaction. All right, let, let's move. Let's move on. Let's uh, let's go along to things like I don't know, upset people, happy people, qualifying people. I've got to start with one of the guys who went out in Q three. I've got to start with our pal Danny Kvyat. It was not. It was desperate. It was desperate on the radio, and it was desperate in the pen. It was, as Sky Sports put it, hard to watch. Poor guy, man. Poor guy. It was so bad that Sky Sports saw him being talked to by Helmut Marco, and they hoped that Marco was giving him encouragement. Which, I actually, to me, seems like an unlikely place to get encouragement from. No, <laughs> but, you know. Okay, I, I, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not one for conspiracy theories, uh, unless they involve helping Nico Rosberg at the expense of Lewis Hamilton for the brief periods that he's behind in championships, and I put my tinfoil hat on along with the rest of the Hamfosi. But does it not feel like Daniel Kvyat is, ver- is learning a very important lesson about how to speak to the media and about how to treat your team? This is like the on-drugs version of what happened to Paul DeResta. Paul DeResta kept coming out and saying the strategy was bad, the tactics are bad, questioning every single pit call to the point where they said to him on the team radio, okay, Paul, it looks like the tyres are running out, but you tell us when you want to come in. And at that point, you knew the relationship had broken down completely. And sure enough, uh, that was pretty much the end of his F1 career, well, unless he comes back with Williams. Daniel Kvyat, go on, sorry, go on, Matt. You know who else learned that lesson was Jaime Aljaswari. Yeah, did not get out of a certain Sebastian Vettel's way quickly enough for anyone's liking. And yeah, that was the end of that. Now Daniel Kvyat, obviously, there's a combination of things that Max Verstappen was there knocking on the door, and uh, 
that he'd had that incident in China, was it, where he hit 17 cars, one of which was his teammate, and got demoted down to Toro Rosso. Now, the conspiracy theorists might point to the fact that his cars have not been holding up and that his performance has dropped off. It doesn't seem like he's become the sort of driver to lose that level of performance overnight. It's still the same guy. It feels like it's not enough to demote him and get rid of him. It feels like they're trying to humiliate him now because he has come out and not only attacked the team he's with, but the entire Red Bull driver program. And he's been very vocal about his treatment and he's not tried to hide his feelings at all. And then that's coincided with this massive drop-off in performance. I have a... In his interview, he said something along the lines of, I'm not racing as well as I should be. I'm not the driver that I should be. I'm not getting results I should. Something like that. And then he said something, and there'll be some who'll be happy about that. Yeah. I mean, being a man of a man of little knowledge in the F1 field, who, who do you think those people might be and why? Well, this is it. Over the radio, he sounded so desperate. Like, what is happening? What is going on? And I think something clicked in his mind that he couldn't then go on having a go at the team criticizing red bull in public because when he came out to face the pen it was a much scaled down and muted version where he was going um no actually it's it's all my fault sorry yeah it's all my fault i i I was terrible today and it's like the penny dropped that you don't bite the hand that feeds you especially in formula one especially as a junior driver no what's wrong what's wrong what are you laughing at ryan I was just laughing the fact that you're calling him now a junior driver, the fact that he started the season at Red Bull and uh, now he's demoted to the junior team, so now he's a junior driver. Well, what season is he in, in um, his career? Uh, season um, three. Did, he, did yeah. he do two seasons with Toro Rosso? And then... He did one season with Toro yeah. Rosso, 2014. Yeah. yeah, and a season and a bit with Red Bull. So I'd, I'd still say it's fair to call him one of the junior drivers in F1, Tony. Yeah, uh, on the gas, number one, spans his way out of line, thinking that Kvyat's poor performance is related to public comments regarding his team. He's cracking under the pressure, needs to regain confidence and get back to basics. You're out of line. No, I mean, it could be that, Matt. Well, I want to bring up a wholly unrelated incident. Do we all remember Monaco? Do we all remember Max Verstappen driving into that barrier over and over again in his brand new Red Bull, which had way more grip than his Toro Rosso? Yeah, I think it's just the opposite. I think it's probably perhaps a bit easier to go from a car like Toro Rosso to a car like Red Bull than vice versa. And I think he's really struggling because every everywhere he's trying to place the car, the car is not going there the same way that he's used to. And that's a much bigger that's a much bigger jump to make. Okay, well, there was... Okay, fair enough. Well, uh, so the chat rooms told me off. I hate it when people make horrible comments and say I'm wrong. I'll just have to suck it up and deal with it. Uh, I hope no one else disagrees with any opinions I'm going to have on stuff later on in the show. Seems uh, pretty uncontroversial when I look ahead into the mist. So, let's go on to the Rosberg pole. He did it. He got a pole position. He had a problem. He only had one shot. He took it. Not only did he get it, he aced it because he had more fuel in the car he had had enough fuel for another full hot lap relative to lewis so with all all due respect to your hero my friend i i think pole position for lewis was never going to happen looking at the time he ran with the with the tanks that full home crowd advantage in it it was um i think it was a in the end like full three laps worth wasn't it you do like your out lap, your hot lap, and your in lap. So 
the equivalent of that, which would have been worth a couple of yeah, tenths. Easily. He was fueled for two hot yeah. laps plus the outlap and in-lap, whereas Lewis is only filled for one. So it was a big advantage, Lewis, weight-wise. Plus just the you know added pressure of you know not having that bank lap him uh, and only having the the one run you know he, he did well to you know to is, pull that lap out especially because of the new flag rules which changed some tactics I, I have to say we saw a certain scarlet red team out earlier than usual mm-hmm. because of uh, Charlie Whiting's well what do you guys call it a strop is that right tantrum yep strop yep that I, works. I, I, I'm 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 going to pull this F1 Grand Prix over if you don't stop squabbling about double waved yellow flags. I don't know. Okay. Uh, what should we do? Where do you want to go? Race? Race now? Tell you yeah, what. Let not? me uh, let me just drop these two comments in, and we'll draw a line and move on. Okay. Uh, D. Wilson, Spanners. I happen to think you're right about Fiat. So it's fifty-fifty so far. Score. Come on. Uh, and our old mate MG, so much of F1 is mental. Can only imagine what the demotion conversation was like when he learned he was going back to Toro Rosso. Oh, he, lots of people have said it in the media, and he has broken, I think, is more apt in this case than we've seen with any F1 driver in the media. He he does look absolutely just devastated. They said to him, oh, you're going to need this summer break, aren't they? And his answer was, I'm going to need more than a summer break. And it's just yeah. like, you can keep that to yourself. And he really looked, he really looked like a grown man who was about to cry and nobody judged him for that. Everyone was kind of like, no, you want to cry? Just, you know, go on, just cry. Maybe he's got a really savvy publicist and says, right, everyone thinks you deserve to be where you are. Act really sad. And then over the summer break, everyone will start to feel sorry for you. We'll get a bit of social media on a go. When you come back, you'll be the people's champion. Bish, bash, bush. Bish, bash, bush. I like it. That's right, isn't it? That brings us to the start of the German Grand Prix. Nice to see that track back when I was a kid. When I was a kid, that track was about stripping all the aero off and going for a nice, dangerous, deadly, lethal jaunt through the forest before coming back into the teeny tiny little stadium bit at the end. You're like, oh, look. These cars trying to skid through the little stadium bit. Well, now the whole track is the stadium bit, but I have to say, I am a fan of that track. I am a fan. It's, it's a, I think it's what people call it a technical track. It's not one where you've got a stamp on the brakes. It's not one where it's like Silverstone flying through, you know, those, those S's. It's, it's one where you've got to be patient on the throttle, where you've got to be careful and pick your points, uh, through rough tarmac. It's, it's a fun track to play on simulations and it's a, a fun track to watch tell you what wasn't fun though was that start lewis hamilton got an absolutely textbook start rosberg your man your man the ferris your man ryan ferret ferris got what happened what he didn't do anything he he got a real great deal of uh wheel spit uh wheel spin enough that you could he left probably the uh the world's biggest uh 11 down the uh start finish straight and uh yeah, he not only dropped first place, but went all the way down to fourth. I don't understand your hand signal, Matt. It was in third gear. I was going to ask oh, if right. your uh, brand new Peugeot family hauler can do that. What, have go into third gear? It can totally go into third gear. It has six And leave gears. big 11s down the uh, straightaway? With a 1.2 engine, I imagine so. I can't wait to find out. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's only 1.6 for Formula One, so it's not that much different. But, oh, yeah, that's good. I, I fear, <laughs> I fear I may be disappointed if I expect any performance uh, from, from my new Peugeot. Now, he didn't just lose out to Hamilton. He didn't just lose out to both the Red Bulls. He nearly lost out to the Ferraris as well. And imagine that, that disaster if he'd have been stuck between those, before, behind those guys. <laughs> he had a nightmare, didn't he? Can you imagine him being sat at the front ready to go? Like he had like oh he was he's he was he's on a high, he's got images of adulation of the crowd and a roar that's ringing through his ears. We love and then, you, Nico. Oh yo, I'm a hero, yes. And then and then poor guy. Poor yeah. guy. Exactly. And the thing is it's the second week in a row, Chris. Yeah, I mean when I looked at it on board, I almost felt like he had um too low revs and then it sort of bogs down off the start and then it starts to get the wheel spin in second and third gear and then he starts to short shift it up through fourth and fifth so he loses even more power um, pretty much anything that could have gone wrong in that start did go wrong and it basically set him up for an afternoon of awful awfulness awfulness <laughs> and uh, go on Matt. Yeah, and, and that's the thing about modern Formula One, when there's no weather involved and no one driving into each other. Basically, your race is going to be about the first half of lap one. And then your pit stops, strategy there, and then maybe, if you're lucky, a couple of laps around the end of the race, if you're at the sharp end of the field. And he was so confused about that start as, as well because his start off the uh, for the formation lap and his practice starts in the pit lane, all fine, no problem. So they really don't know what the issue was when he actually did the, the, the start itself. Well, now, a proper Rosberg apologist would remember qualifying yesterday in the electronic gremlin he suffered that aborted his first lap in Q3 and note that one of the warning signs he got was a throttle pedal warning sign which basically meant he lost control of the throttle pedal not going to say that caused it mercedes had no idea what was going on neither did rosberg he may not be as good a driver as hamilton but it was an unusually bad start for him can it be as simple as he just accelerated too much without enough traction it could be that simple. I'm not I'm not going to assign causality because we lack evidence, my friend. Okay, well, I'm going to randomly assign causality and blame because that's the environment I live in at home. I don't see why I shouldn't bring that onto the podcast. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I'm, I'm going to do the normal thing of giving you a platform to talk about the tyres and the fuel saving and the strategy and how that race played out. But first of all, there was an incident He did it again. He, boys, he did it again. Rosberg completely ignores the apex and runs a competitor off the track deliberately with malice and is oh. rightfully and is rightfully penalised by the stewards. Discuss. We when I saw it, I was like, is that, is that his new signature move now? Is, is that is he just decided that's his move? So, and then just see what happens. Yes, I've got at least I've got one person agreeing with me. Thanks for agreeing with me, T, even though I forgot to introduce you or remembered you were here. Uh, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that's his signature move now is to just keep going at the entry of corners until the guy who's trying to overtake him around the outside runs out of space. 
I predict that he'll try it two or three more times just to see how far he can get away with before he needs to turn. He'll perfect it so there's no margin for error. Yeah. And that's be called the Rosberg maneuver. I think they're going to install a handbrake in that in that number six Mercedes <laughs> just so he can get all the way out to the track limits and then do a 90 degree turn. Now, I assume that everyone else on the panel agrees with me and we can move on. No, no yeah, definitely not. <laughs> You're mental. Oh, I'm uh, mentally wrong. Yeah. Who wants to go I, first? Chris, God, you, 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 you're, 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 the, you're the most wrong most often. Let's hear from you. Oh, chat room disagrees. With um, you. Oh, that's tragic. has done with you, I'm afraid, my friend. Um, but I, I'm, I, I'm sorry, this is, I could not disagree more with this, with this penalty. Okay. Uh, if Rosberg had attempted to turn into the corner with the speed he was going in there with, he would have locked both front straight away, and most likely would have ploughed straight into the side of Verstappen, who, let's not forget, was moving around in the braking zones yet again. So you're admitting that he was carrying too much speed into that corner, ran his competitor off the track, and thus deserves a penalty. You have to carry speed into a hairpin to pull off a good move with a hairpin. No, no, you are missing it. Why was he carrying so much speed so far inside of the corner? Oh, that's right, because... Max, oh, I see you in my mirrors, therefore I will move over. Verstappen moved over in the braking zone after he was already decelerating, forcing him to move further inside and stop braking until he took a new line, therefore forcing him to carry way too much speed into that apex. Nonetheless, he got the car turned around. And if you go back and look at the streamable that I posted everywhere, you will clearly see that around into the even the exit of the apex, Max has at least his front and rear right side wheels over the white line on the track. And in fact, he chose to depart the track so he could maintain more speed and gain an advantage trying to get back at Rosberg. And it is completely a fail by the stewards that they did not catch this. In my very, very humble and always correct opinion. Now, one thing that I uh, I saw that was, uh, sh- I think it was Sky showed it, and I wasn't sure if it was an overtake uh, that uh, Raikkonen did, or it was one of the Ferraris did it on a Red Bull, where it was essentially, it was a squeeze, just like uh, what uh, Rosberg did, but it was back at Hungary at T- T2, where there isn't, at the exit of T2, there is no runoff, it's grass, and Verstappen decided there's no grass, so I should back out of this. Well, because obviously at this hairpin, there's runoff. So he thought, I'm not going to back out of this. I'm just going to stick it out on the outside and then just floor it on the outside, which is what he did. And yet somehow Rosberg gets a penalty for it. Now, and and he, he did it, you know, at T1 on his teammate as well. So Max obviously not shy about getting off the track. And I absolutely agree that he moved in the braking zone. Initially, it looked like perhaps he was just trying to take his normal apex. But it's clear to get a good exit out of that hairpin, you need to go a lot deeper than that. He was taking the line for a 90 degree turn. So yes, he's definitely moved under braking, which is a big no-no. And we're going to go to the chat room in a second. But good news. For Missed Apex podcast listeners, we are going to do a rules of engagement show. We're really going to try and smash out how we're going to look at these incidents before the fact, instead of me just, you know, changing things to suit whatever Hamilton's done. Uh, And I think I think we're very close to securing uh, Bradley Philpott, uh, Race of Champions Victor. 
defeater of Sebastian Vettel to come and join us for that. What's the chat room saying? Uh, or just read the ones that agree with me. Come on. Uh, well, I'll just read them. I'm not just going to read the ones that agree with you because you forgot to introduce me earlier on. So, uh, D. Wilson, as Max said, he didn't lock up. I could see his hands. Uh, the Carter 72, I'm beginning to think this podcast is named for Rosberg. <laughs> lol. Yeah, good oh, oh he's lol. Oh, that's yeah, good. Miss Dave X, innit? Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't get it at first, but uh, then. And then our own Matt PT55, he didn't lock up because he was breaking a straight line, as he remarked on earlier. Uh, and steering in a straight line as well. On the gas, number one, Spanish out of line again <laughs> as Verstappen moved in braking. Uh, for this, Rosberg said if he, if, if he had full lock, Rosberg said he had full lock, yep. which was bull. Mm. And then Matt, yes, this. Presumably Matt was then referring to something uh, when he said yep. that. So, so I mean, Rosberg, he got the five-second penalty. And he I know, Chris, you were trying to get in, weren't you? He got the five-second penalty. And he claimed that he was at full lock. But you have to admit that he went an awful way past the normal turning point before before turning, Chris. Yeah, because if he had turned in, he would have locked his brakes. Because, As Matt said, because Verstappen was moving in the braking zones, he had to... This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Go deeper into the corner. He had to come off his brakes a little bit to dodge Max and then get back on the brake again. So in, in resulting was... in the fact that he would run into the corner. And, you know, that move that Verstappen made was in no way an attempt to turn into the corner. If he was turning in at that point, yeah. he was making a, a break for the for the, no, the short No, circuit. I agree with you. I agree with you. That's what I was saying. If that was a, he sort of, that would be the line for like a 90 degree turn. Uh, yeah, and he exactly. certainly wouldn't have, have made that. Uh, Ryan, I've lost my point, so you go. Yeah, um, I think Rosberg possibly was at full lock at one point, but he, uh, an argument you made earlier or in one of our previous chats was that 
he obviously didn't because he went straight on. Now, obviously, if he'd have gone straight into the corner, went full lock straight away, the front wheels wouldn't have been able to grip and he'd have just understeered and it would have been a definite repeat of Austria and he'd have just mm-hmm. ploughed straight into Verstappen. Now, I'm sort of thinking, what way would you look at this? Would you rather go into the corner and both of you come out of it unscathed or go into the corner and possibly none of you come out? At the end of it, there was no contact between the cars. Verstappen, like Ryan said, he chose to go into that runoff, like Vettel did in 2012. Remember when he and Button went side by side into that hairpin, the the final lap, and Vettel basically just floored the throttle and and passed him off the circuit. It's basically the same thing, except Verstappen didn't actually complete an overtake uh, on him. And in that instance, it was Vettel who got a penalty. But for some reason, in this instance, Rosberg gets a penalty, and I don't agree with that. Okay, then. So uh, agree with nodding. Go on, you go first. Right. Well, there's a lot of differences between the Austria thing and this. But one of the most salient points to me and one of the reasons I almost immediately was I was baffled they even investigated it, I'll be honest, is because Verstappen left the track on the exit of the turn. And if there's anything that seems like it's been a de facto standard for Formula One is that once you pass the midpoint of a turn and you're on exit, if you have the inside, it's your line. And it's always been your line. If you're on the outside, you're just holding on to a rapidly receding wedge. I'm, I'm you're not never certain, going to be there. I'm not certain it was on the exit. It looked pretty much on the midpoint. Go back and have a look, my friend. Okay. It was clearly past the halfway point of the turn. Excellent. So we're now as safe for work as a Toto Wolf interview. Go on, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> can i yeah. say is this on tv no <laughs> no, okay. you, no well i have said it anyway no toto you know full well you can't you naughty boy <laughs> we're not at gerhard burger level yet though i think ryan um sort of made the point when you know looking at hungary if there is grass there this whole situation gets avoided verstappen would have backed out of it probably wouldn't have even been so aggressive in the breaking zone if he had you know if there had been grass there so All put right. grass there our problems go away okay so look you guys are making a very good argument that it was a racing incident. And I think on TV, on the media, on the Skypad, also made a very good case that this is this was Austria light. Uh, and I think even the most harsh critics were saying it was a 50-50 call and, and the stewards made it that way. I think that was Nicky Lauder's was, well, they could have they could have gone either way and they've gone with that fine. Um, now, the reason he got the penalty, in my mind, is it's like in football where when you have a guy who is going down constantly at the merest of tackles, uh, he's tripping up, he's claiming a foul from the referee all the time. The referees learn these guys' behaviours and they go into a match with the referee already thinking, if that guy goes down, it's not a penalty. So I believe that this is a hangover from Austin, uh, from Austin, from Austria, where that for me that was a slam dunk. I, I, cannot, I couldn't even fathom people defending him there. A slam dunk where he drove Hamilton off the track and the stewards have got that in their mind in real time, they haven't had five hours to think about it. They haven't had the Skypad to think about it. They're seeing this very Austria-like incident and they're thinking, that's how we're, we will respond. Sorry, but I halfway saw that out the corner of my eye as I did the Austria situation. And I had entirely different reactions to both. I'm not buying it. But what I will buy is having a careful look at the wording of the actual penalty he received, which was for forced forcing car 33 off the track and gaining a lasting advantage 
Where and what's interesting is when they um, investigated Grosjean for the same thing, they did not penalize him because it was clear, quote, he outbraked himself and did not gain a lasting advantage. So I'm not so sure in this instance the stewards were looking at Verstappen being forced off track as the fact that Rosberg gained a lasting advantage. However, Rosberg was faster than him. So, yeah, you know, and, uh, and whatever. Horn, I, I'm just, I'm baffled. It just seems sloppy. But. I, I did like Horner's comment, which was, hey, Rosberg's got this wrong. When you do that, you're supposed to lock up a little bit and make it look like he had no choice, which is what Vettel did to Massa. Yeah, and this is the other thing. Even Horner, when he was interviewed afterwards, was like, well, you know, I mean, the ruling went our way, so who am I to complain? But yeah. And and Horner is the first person who will jump on and defend or attack a driver as necessary. And if he doesn't feel the need to, then clearly something's been done wrong. Okay, we're going to go on to the bit where we sort of hand over uh, to Matt when he leads us talking about the strategies and the tyres and some very interesting fuel-saving things. However... I'd just like to take the opportunity to say that the race review is brought to you by all the stuff I produce uh, by proxy or directly. Look, promoting things is a real drag. Producing this podcast is a dark art and I don't think I'll ever perfect it, but at least it's fun. And I actually find editing and post-production fun. Um, and I actually, I actually have accidentally started a website that's looking more and more like an F1 website. Uh, so... If anyone feels like they would like to help me out uh, by going to the website, uh, grabbing a link and sharing it in their favorite Facebook page, I would be forever grateful. Something that's worked out really well, and I don't want anyone else to copy this, is that in every article we have the podcast player in there, and it's really helped to spread the word. So if any of you guys are feeling generous and you want to pop that in your favorite Facebook page, or if you're brave and you want to stick it on Reddit, we'd really appreciate that as well. I'm terrified of Reddit, and I won't go anywhere near it. Uh, Matt, why don't you tell us about the strategy as it unfolded in the race? Oh, maybe because I don't really know what happened anymore because I'm old and stuff. Yeah, it's true. No, actually, uh, the interesting thing that, that really happened, and we were having a bit of a, a chat about this with, with Summers earlier, was that in the second stint, both Verstappen and Rosberg elected to put the super soft tires on which is a baffling choice to me i'm sure they had a good reason for it but given that the cars are heavier with more fuel i just don't see why you would put on a tire more susceptible to degradation and it was clear after a few laps that neither one of them was 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 doing very well with that tire to the point where verstappen actually called in and said this is not the race tire no, it was odd that the super soft. It was, I think, it was on lap eight when the first first drivers started to complain about it. When the idea was to go to lap fourteen, so yeah, they did kind of misjudge the um, uh, the strategy on that one. Um, I think even the soft tire didn't quite go the way they um, expected it to, really. And I think Red Bull again were the ones to to struggle on. Really, both those tires comparatively to to the Mercedes. I think maybe like we saw in Baku, where they really needed a medium tire to be competitive. I don't know if you agree with that at all, but it just seems like the Red Bull doesn't really seem to have as good a race pace as it does on the super soft and the soft tire compared to some of the others. 
I think each each car has its own set of preferred tires, but I think it may have been the track temperature itself that was a problem for them today. I, I heard in the run-up to the race that it was a bit hotter than the teams might have expected. And you didn't really see, at least in the first two stints, the cars running to the Pirelli maximum recommendations with the exception, I believe, of Gutierrez, who started on the soft tires. And then at the end of the race, I think Botas ran like a mega stint that that sort of crushed him at the end of the race. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't so much a mega stint as it was just wrestling the rear end of that Williams car to the to the finish line. And it's, I think everyone saw it coming except him as well. If people think, well, if he doesn't pit now, he's in trouble. Or if he re- now he's really in trouble. It was an interesting comment from Williams that they expected a linear degradation and they did not get it. Yeah, the cliff. The cliff came back. Came back. Yes, it was very exciting. Uh, but the, the Supers certainly did Verstappen no favors and uh, wound up resulting in his teammate essentially getting by him because he was on different strategy further down the race. And as for Rosberg, it was the same thing. You think maybe he puts the Supers on so he can get by, get through the traffic quicker, but it didn't really assist him all that much. And the other thing that didn't assist him, and we talked about this too, was that he was really fueled for not necessarily running in traffic and having combat throughout. And I, I think that affected his pace, particularly at the end of the race. Did you talk about Massa's lack of pace yet? Uh, that was because he had a damaged suspension because our friend Julian Palmer drove straight in the back of him at the beginning of the race. Well, I don't know. Williams were kind of going, we can't find data to explain Massa's lack of pace. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, you've got a decade's worth of data. Just scroll back. Spanish, why, why, uh, how come you asked about if he talked about something yet? Were you, were you not in the room? Or did you just walk out when it was Matt's turn? Or Yeah, basically, yeah. When Matt... Chat room, Stephen underscore 94. I like how Spanish just walks on out when you all start <laughs> discussing strategy. Yawn, I'm off. I'm out of here. Do you want me to stay here and phone it in? Or is it better that I just leave? That's what I, what I do for the whole of the tech time shows. <laughs> Anything else from the chat room? Yes, I asked who was the most handsome and who was the coolest. Uh, so far, it's Steven94, Trumpets has a cool beard. Um, and MG says, Ferret, he takes both categories, but his choice in shirts is unfortunate. Reminds me of Saturday Night Live Killer Bees or maybe Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I, would, I would take that, Ryan, because you, you, you're basically the most handsome and the coolest, according to this guy. Well, it shows what taste I've got. I had you pegged as extremely unattractive. So, Matt, strategy, but where had we got to? Yes, you're right. I did walk out of the room. There were things that were hey, calling me. I got a haircut for you this week's banners, as you keep complaining. Yeah, no, that's it's it's not, it didn't land. It's not a good haircut. You need to pay more money or go to a different place. Whatever you're doing, oh, it's not it's not working. Breaking news, Matt is always the most stately. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a very polite way of saying old. I tell you what, someone needs to get a grip of this show and, and have a look at the show notes and see where we're going. Do you want to go to the podium? Oh. Or any other business. We're like halfway through the race. Okay, go on then. Go, go, go. We've just gotten to the point where the super soft tires destroyed Verstappen's race. Yeah. Didn't help Rosberg out at all. But we've not gotten to the penalty yet or Mercedes' lack of a stopwatch. Yeah, that was... um... One, one thousand, two, one thousand. You could see them counting on their fingers up to five in front of him. I was pretty surprised (laughs) that it is just down to the team to just to count it out. And then I guess the FIA will check afterwards whether they agree with the team. Why why don't they just have an FIA guy there? It's a penalty. 
have your umpire go to the point and be the the guy who tells them. Because well, I, I can't afford to hire enough people yeah. for that. I suppose it'd be a matter of sending somebody <laughs> down there in time, wouldn't it? It's just easier for the team to do it. But I love how they 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 put it so officially, didn't they? It was a stopwatch malfunction or something like that. They said, "Oh yes, uh, Rosberg's been due to a stopwatch malfunction." You know how this worked, right? Rosberg launches into the blocks. Guy holds up the pit board, and then they look at each other. You timing this? You timing this? I'm not timing this. You timing this? <laughs> what? No, I thought you what were a doing. Thing. Oh, <laughs> didn't you? But no, wait. What? Hey, somebody got a watch back there. Oh, did he lose like 3.2 seconds? Yeah, it, yeah, it was 8.2 seconds. Uh, he was stationed for before they started working on the car. Yeah, oh, it was mental because he was only five seconds back of Verstappen when he came back out on the when he came back out after his second stop. Yeah, so he was put behind the Red Bulls, and his defense in the press pen was sort of, was saying, "Well, I, I was in front of the Red Bulls. If it wasn't for this penalty, which he obviously disagreed with, and I don't, I can't remember whether he cited the extra delay that was caused there was putting him behind the Red Bulls again. Uh, but that's kind of the difference, really." of the two drivers on the day, Hamilton off in the distance. If we had had a different start and Hamilton had been fourth with the same pace, you get the feeling that he would have attacked the Red Bulls more. Or are we talking again about how Mercedes cars are not set up to follow in the pack? I personally think we're talking about how Rosberg's car was not fueled to do that much fighting with the Red Bull, which is clearly, at least chassis-wise, giving them a very hard time because you did not see the automatic passing like we saw earlier in the season no. at all. And, and um, yeah, and it's, it's not like he cruised past them either in the, in the, on the straights. You know, you can tell that Renault have made, it made significant gains and it was there, you know, it was there to see because I think a year ago he would just breeze past them halfway down that straight. Yeah, well, one of the interesting chats that I had was with Summers today, and he mentioned the uh, one-piece chassis cover that Red Bull are now running. And he said in person, it's astonishing how flexible that thing is and how slippery it's going to be as a result on the, um, the, on the straights. And it may very well be that they have finally found a way aerodynamically to equalize out Mercedes power advantage because Mercedes do not use that same kind of uh, cover. Okay. I just want to interrupt in that little lull to say a big thank you to Charlie, Darren Johnson, Kevin Duran, and Paddy McKegney. These are our Patreons and you are making life extremely easy for me right now. We're covering the costs of hosting not only Missed Apex podcast, which costs more than you think actually, when you chuck the data on there uh, and store it on a site like Blueberry. Uh, by the way, if you want to host a podcast on Blueberry, use the offer code ADV to get a discount. Forgot about that, T. We, did, we set that up and we never... We never, we never bothered mentioning it ever. Never told anybody. No, no, it's a complete waste of time. But well, yeah, you can use that, that code. ADV's ADV. dead now as well. We'll yeah, still we change the, the code, name. it's fine. Yeah, it's, it's there. Uh, but you know, uh, the, also the, the hosting for the website is also covered and that has significantly changed my wife's attitude to me coming out into the shed on a, on a Sunday night. The, the next target is we need to upgrade some equipment and it would be fantastic to get you know an hourly rate for doing this stuff. 
that would then stop the wife seeing this as leisure time in any way, shape or form. Uh, and we could do a lot, a lot more. Matt, where do you want to go next? Because I'm itching for the podium. Uh, we're going to get to the podium in just one second, but we're talking about fuel saving. And there was one other massive example of fuel saving, and that was McLaren running the least powerful and most thirsty engine on the grid. Yeah. And uh, yeah, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, you say uh, least powerful. They reckon it's more powerful than the, the 2015 Ferrari motor in the back of the Toro Rosso. Just thought I'd leave that. Yeah, well, fair fair enough. I was only thinking of the 2016 power units because yeah, fair enough. McLaren to <laughs> because it's this year. Does it really seem like the one of these things is definitely not like the other? Eh? <laughs> if if we'd have run this race last year, we'd have done okay. The McLaren are just damning themselves with faint praise constantly. Anyway, continue. But poor old Jensen was on the radio very worried about Alonso approaching him because they both had the same quote-unquote problem, which turned out to be, you know, we can't put enough fuel in the car for you to run it full tilt all the, all the way to the end. Yeah, right? Wasn't there a moment where um, where this was fairly obvious how their fuel saving was when when Perez overtook Alonso and like you could literally hear there was absolutely no revs going on at all or attempt to try and catch him. It wasn't until on the straight that the actual Honda started to burst into life. He was lifting so early. It was like watching an outlap. It was so yeah. slow. Yeah. And 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 that was that was the official cause ascribed to Perez being able to get by Alonso, despite the fact it was Alonso in the DRS of Verstappen who just lapped him, locking up into turn one, and then managing to do the same thing again and letting Perez by. At which point, sadly, I think his samurai spirit departed the stadium because he just rolled backwards. I think he went up P thirteen altogether. It was just tragic. Do you think Alonso, he's just, he kind of, he puts a token effort in, but then if it's not going his way this season, he doesn't see the point. If he's not fighting for the championship, I don't think he sees the point. You were absolutely right. Once that championship point was gone, he was like, why am I even bothering with this? But the other end of that was, was Button, who despite being equally fuel limited, came upon the Williams at Botas, which was even more tire limited. (laughs) (laughs) And he managed to get him for eighth place. Just a race to the bottom. But Force India have finished ahead. So me and Summers in our battle of Force India versus McLaren are now one each. But I fully expect Force India now. Hungary really must McLaren's deficits. And that's why they were able to beat Force India. I think Force India have the measure of them now. They're fourth in the championship. Uh, if we go to any other business, uh, where, see, the, the McLarens, they're so poor. They're so poor just in general that when Alonso overtook Massa, my first thought was, oh, man, that the Williams has got a problem. It, it didn't even occur to me in my head that perhaps Alonso had taken him on pace. I just thought, no, that's, that, there's something wrong with the stricken Williams. I'll go to the chat room before finishing off any other business. Yeah, you will. Uh, D. Wilson, Matt is always the most daily, as we know, and MG's unknowledgeable. Uh, Steven94, don't discuss tyres, guys. Spans will walk out again. <laughs> Senior Trowel, Matt has the air of a cool uncle. Ferret is that kind of weird cousin who spends a lot of time in his room listening to music with a strange smell coming out of there. <laughs> Chris, Chris is that cousin. Chris is that cousin who spent all his time in his school books and will end up, being, end up working in the civil service stamping forms. 
Um, on the gas, number one, uh, amazing tweet a few minutes ago. Uh, the stopwatch on iPhone was responsible for too long a pit stop when Rosberg was in for five-second penalty. Um, <laughs> uh, should have used an Android or something like that. Um, MG5904, come on, where's the conspiracy theory? Carter72, you mean like Rosberg ran JFK off the track into Area 51? And then... <laughs> settle down uh, in the cheap seats yeah a little bit later uh steven 94 alonso gave up as soon as perez stole 10th yeah Yeah. and that ties us up up to the present well i think i'll go away with that to be honest guys and yes you've absolutely nailed our young our young podcast crew uh poor stop for rosberg was actually the next point on my any other business so let's dispel the hamilton always gets the slow pit stop complaints because to me this is similar to the jensen button uh, rain intermediate god fallacy every time hamilton has a bad stop people are up in arms saying it's always hamilton uh, but i think if you track it uh, mercedes perhaps are actually prone to the odd bad stop and both drivers do seem to get them there i do like this conspiracy there was a slow stop for Kimi raikkonen which conveniently put him behind sebastian vettel well that certainly solved that problem didn't they with the uncharacteristically fast Kimi raikkonen this weekend uh already said about Williams couldn't find the data for Massa's lack of pace. The Ferrari pit wall bow to King Sebastian, and all he says shall come true. Yeah, well, that was that was a delightful, thankful revisit of the radio regulations because yeah. that whole scenario would not have played out under the old rules. But we got to hear the whole thing. Yeah, thanks to the new rules. And I will say, just listening and watching the show. I love having the radio comms back. It really makes the race a more interesting place to be, even when it's not necessarily an interesting race. And contra that, in the old days, and I may have made this point before, but now I'm old, so I'm officially allowed to say the same thing. Gather round, children. Grandpa Trumpets is about to tell a story. In the old hey, days. Hey, he's stately. Stop it. Have some respect. They used to curse to keep their comments yes. off the air. <laughs> but now it's having exactly the opposite effect. The more they curse, the more it gets played <laughs> over the airways, which I think is kind of brilliant, personally. And I think it was a good insight into seeing that I don't think Sebastian Vettel is all that happy at Ferrari. He came out, he said he's not happy at sixth. He he doesn't seem happy with the strategy. And why would he be? Ferrari keep dropping the ball left, right and centre this season. Uh, he's got another season next year, definitely. But he's probably starting to lose patience. Are we talking about championship points or points yet? Or are we still talking about other stuff? Can you talk about that? Yeah, because today was the day it done happened. Red Bull officially surpassed Ferrari for P2 and the constructors. Oh, well, yeah, there you go. And that can't be good for morale. It's not going to be helping. If Ferrari is at the moment, and not entirely surprisingly, a disastrous mess yep. internally. And I know, and you have to wonder, because I think there's a fair number of people who might have been mooted to Haas to get them up and running that are currently on gardening leave, waiting to come back because of the new rules that were instituted last year about how long you had to wait before you could switch teams. Is uh, And it just, it really seems like They've been caught out by this. This and the tra- and James Allison's tragedy has just been a real disaster for them this season, and it's unfortunate. 
because they started off looking kind of racy and have just gone backwards the whole season. Still on any other business, uh, Sebastian did seem even more irate about blue flags than usual. His normal jovial nature has been overtaken with just general, just genuine irritation. Yeah, you know, it's a thing. Blue flags get thrown by the marshals, not necessarily by race control. But he was not the only complainer. No, not at all. And the Ricardo had to be told on the radio, listen, listen, Danny, it's not it's not just you. They're talking about Esteban. He's doing it to everyone. Don't take it personally. Right. I loved it where he was just going on, uh, going on. I didn't catch all of it. He was going, oh, man, I love this guy, uh, guys. He's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Dripping with sarcasm. Tony, before we go to the podium, what's the chat room up to? All right, yeah. So uh, we had an, it's not very F1, but it's about the panel. I'm going to I'm gonna do it anyway. Uh, senior travel. All right, then. Spanners is that strange man down the street who you tell the kids not to go near, but they insist on throwing stones into his overgrown front garden and onto the roof of the shed, which he spends too much time in, seemingly talking to himself. Does that sound about right? MG5904. Spot on, Senor Trowell. Do you know, I do sometimes wonder if this is like one of those movies where, like, there's no podcast at all. There's no website. I just go into the shed and I just think that I'm talking, but really, I'm just it's just like really dusty in here with slugs and stuff. Oh, I was just saying, like, if you, like one day you'll walk in and you'll something will have happened and you've become sane and you'll walk in. There'll be no audio equipment or anything in there. It'll just be a shed with like a fork and a wheelbarrow. And, like, oh my god, there list. there was no Chris Stevens. I'm Chris <laughs> Stevens. Oh my god, come on. Such a bad thing. I can't believe Tony's leaving this comment out from the chat room. Which one? Hit it. Your trowel, Tony. Park bench, dirty shirt and tracksuit bottoms, <laughs> a bottle of Strongbow and a crumpled copy of the Sunday Sport. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't leaving that out. That was just there as I was reading. It came. It's, it's breaking news, that one. I missed it. <laughs> oh, Tony doesn't read the ones that are against him. Hashtag, can you trust Tony? Got no is, t- <laughs> I only put that. I only put the questions in about who's the coolest. And who's be- I, I just wanted one person to say me, but obviously not. No, Didn't I happen. thought I would ride on the sympathy from when you mugged me off at the top of the show when he didn't introduce me. Moving on! Again, we've run predictably over time. The podium, I think, was absolutely fantastic. Max Verstappen was stoic in his team ethic and acknowledged that he'd done the greater the greater good for the team whether he meant it or not he did a very good show of playing the red bull man perhaps they've all seen what happens when you speak out against red bull and they've thought well we don't we don't want to be caveat danny ricardo for some reason drank champagne out of a shoe australia if that's what they do in australia i'm getting the increasing opinion that australia is a frightful place it's very unsettling and i shall never go there that's what they do when they're not being eaten by dangerous animals. There's no redeeming features in Australia. I'm not ever going to risk it. Uh, the Germans booed Lewis Hamilton when he said, I want to thank the fans. Boo. And all I can say is, touche, Germany. Touche. Uh, Ricardo mistakes a Scottish journalist for an Irishman. I missed this. Guys, tell me about it because I love this cringeworthy social. I, I love it because I was watching stupid Sky Sports flipping highlights tell me about it guys yeah basically he saw a journalist and going top of the morning to ya 
Only he was oh, Scottish. And he was a joke. Oh, no, no. And, and oh. Hamilton said, uh, I think he's drunk too much champagne or shoe juice or whatever. <laughs> that might have been a bit of payback from when, uh, from before when old Ricky had one over on him as well in that press conference. Oh, after yeah, qualifying. Yeah. yeah, because Hamilton did, he did get a moody on and Ricardo was yeah. sitting there like going, check out moody over there. And to me, Hamilton, he made a justification afterwards, which he said, look, I just had a bad day. It's like when you guys write a rubbish story or have a bad day at work. I just, I just had a bad day and I, and I was kicking myself. But, but you know what? You've only got to bring it together for like 20 minutes in the pen after, what, 23 years in racing. I think you should be able to just come out, do a fake smile, do what Rosberg does and go, oh, yes, it was terrible, but I think I will just try hard tomorrow and that's it. But that wasn't all. Ricardo was getting interviewed uh, by somebody and Hamilton walked by and gave his hat a little tip <laughs> while he was on camera as well. So I gather it was not too serious between the two of them because they seem to be. Uh... Yeah, they seem to get they seem to get on all right. Do you know what? I have music for the bad thing. I don't have music for like the thing of the week. So, uh, Matt, you're wagging your finger at me quite a lot today. Just say I, Honestly, this week, is this, like, it's like being just, a Broadway with the flash yeah, hands, you know, everyone waving. You know. I just I don't want to be talking over either of the uh, voluble Chris Stevens or Ryan Ferris accidentally. But there was, and I'm surprised none of you mentioned it, the post-race press conference where, where Max mentioned being turned into by Rosberg. And said, yeah, Lewis knows what I mean. <laughs> burn, that's a sick and Lewis burn. kind of nodded. And he was like, see? Okay, let's go on to your thing of the week. Chris Stevens, who did it for you this week? Jensen Button. Huh? I think he did a great job in the race after, you know, the car underperformed in qualifying. He did a fantastic start to get up to ninth and then managed to bring it up into eighth in the race. I think that's a very credible performance. Again, again, with McLaren, we are judging them by such low standard. Oh, they, they got through a couple of laps quite quickly. We'll give them driver of the day. Rubbish. Ferret, do better. Uh, it's quite a weird one. I want to say Marcus Ericsson. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> We're having no luck with these guys whatsoever. There's got to be some decent podcasters out there some somewhere. Of the, some of the moves that he did at the start of the race were absolutely cracking. They were absolutely brilliant, some of the moves he was pulling off. They were opportunistic and everything. Uh, I mean, it petered out towards the end, but the start of it, it was sort of like, oh, look at this amazing move that Marcus Ericsson has done. And we're like, what? Who's this guy? <laughs> Matt Trumpets, do better. Yes, well, one could go for the obvious Hamilton because of his now lead of 19 points in the championship. But you know what? I'm going to go unexpected and say Danny Kvyat. And here's why. Yep, yep. Despite the disaster of his qualifying and the epic pressure he's under, he finished only two seconds back of his teammate. And we know from the radio calls he was struggling at the start of that race. So good on him for keeping his head together and having a decent finish, finally. Let's hope that the summer just, the time wounds, wounds? Time heals a few wounds, and he can just get back to some normal semblance of racing. Take stock of what he's been doing in the media. Start building relations. Someone needs an arm around him and tell him how to conduct himself in a professional environment. It's no different to an office. It's no different to office politics. He just... Chris, what? What, Chris? No, I just, I, what, I just Chris, love that. It's a weird, my turn. I, I just love me and Ryan, you know, give credible, well, 
well, I, I disagree with Mark Erickson, to be honest. But I mean, we get we give reasons for them, and you, you got Danny Kvyat from Matt, and you're just like, yeah, yeah, I agree totally. Yeah. yeah, no, 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 Matt. Yeah, Matt's wrong as well. But I need him more than I need you, Tony. Who is your <laughs> <laughs> who's your thing it's of the week? True. <laughs> Tony, hey, give me an answer. Hey, you know when you said earlier on about you wanted to upgrade equipment and stuff? Can yeah. we upgrade one of our hosts as well? One of our panel members. That'll be sound. totally. Yeah, absolutely. In which one? I'll keep that on the DL. Okay, so... Stop uh, mouthing Chris. Stop mouthing Chris. Uh, I'm Ricardo Man. It's Ricardo hashtag Man Crush. He's Ledge. Obviously, he did really well to get where he did in the race, but I I just love that press conference where Hamilton said his thing, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a good race for Mercedes and like three other words. And Ricardo sort of looked over as if to say, is that it? And then he did that smile and rolled his eyes as if to say, this guy... Right in front of the whole world, proper stitched them up. That was classic. Thanks yeah, very much. and I had Ricardo twelve to one each way today, and that bets come in. Find out my bets for each race at SpannersReady dot com. Look out for Spanners bets. My uh, thing of the weekend was uh, Felipe Nasa on turn one. Did you see the way the universe opened up for him? Uh, he, he sort of went wide. He avoided trouble. He cut back, and obviously they showed the onboard, and suddenly there was no F one cars only space and he made up about five or six places i thought that was fantastic oh no you missed the apex chris stevens who missed the apex for you runoff areas and curbs you what they did well or they did not well they did they did not do well you wanted them they, to move or no i want i want i want rid i want rid of runoffs if it weren't for the runoff there'd been the, we wouldn't have had this rosberg verstappen malarkey because there would have been grass. So, yeah, so runoff areas uh, is is your... Because there'd still be curbs if there was grass. So you got I that... I thought it'd be different. You got that wrong. This is worse than when you got the water cycle wrong last weekend. Ryan Ferris, who missed the apex? Williams, you know, because you, obviously you had, Ma- you had Massa going backwards because of his suspension issues, and then Williams going, I don't know what happened there. And then you had... Um, Bottas, they put him on a two-stop and then start wondering why he's going backwards because his tyres have just gone off. Yeah, the whole of F1 was going, bring him in, bring him in. Uh, Tony, Tony, why don't we get to you next? Who missed the apex? Mint, uh, Rosberg, I mean, it was there yeah. for the taking. Home advantage, adulation, reverence, flags flying high, podium, cherry on the cake, looking down upon a dejected Hamilton, sulking on a lower podium step, shaking up the champagne and spraying it really close to his face Passively, so it looks like you're having yeah. fun but you're trying to hurt him <laughs> it was it could have been there and he, he you know was there for taking and he stuffed it up best answer yet uh matt who missed the apex oh uh ferrari yes excellent oh sorry this is, sorry are you mistaking this for the mid-season review no no i i mean <laughs> i mean they, they just they're they are done their internal structure is a mess right now and they have fallen behind Red Bull. Therefore, they have missed the apex. And I've decided to change my mind about the thing of the weekend, too. Go on, then. Tatiana Calderon. GP3 first woman to score points since 2012. Alice Powell, P10 yesterday, P9 today. And she's beaten Max Verstappen before. Just going to say it. Do you know what? I, I just yesterday followed her on Twitter. If you want to follow Matt on Twitter, you can follow him at MattPT55. Uh, I'll just say them all at once and then you can press the back 30 seconds button if you care to follow us at Spanners Ready. At Chris underscore journo underscore no. Stevens no. Spy. No. Go on then. At C Stevens underscore journo. Underscore's a terrible. At Thunderbeast69. 
No. No, 99. I'm mature. <laughs> Nearly not mature. Ryan Ferret Ferris. Uh, he's at Ferret115. That's IT, not ET. Uh, there's one award left. The. Daddy, I want a pony. And I want it now. Unless anyone has got any advance, I'm giving it to Toto Wolf for deliberately saying a naughty, naughty word in the post race interviews. Any advance on that, Matthew? I'm going to go with Jensen Button, who, when being caught rapidly by his teammate, helpfully radioed in and said, Alonzo has the same problem as me, right? Perhaps we should hold station. <laughs> it, was like, it was like playing with Spa. If we race, we could lose everything. Uh, well, so tough luck. Funny. Chris, oh, do you have an right. advance on Jensen Button? I do. I would like to nominate uh, Sebastian Vettel yeah. for A, the... the the strategy call and the return of the hatred of blue flags. Yeah, the really, really aggressively not joking around, not singing a song hatred of blue flags. And before we go to comment of the week, I want to say I can see from the statistics that my shout out for people to subscribe and, and not find us a uh, piecemeal that has worked because I can see from the stats that more of you are subscribed. But if you want to find out how to subscribe on your app, uh, follow at Mist Apex F1. The pinned tweet there will give you the clicks to iTunes and the RSS feed to add to your app. I think that just leaves us with... Comment of the week. And because Tony doesn't look panicked, I assume he has one. Oh, it was only ever going to be one comment from the top of the show uh, on the gas, number one. I love it when people call you out. So anyone who does that has got a really good shout of being comment of the week for future listeners. Spanner says, way out of line, thinking it could be a poor performance is related to public comments regarding his team. He's cracking under the pressure and needs to regain confidence and get back to basics. Wait a minute. Kvyat needs to re- get back to basics or I need to get back to basics? That's a good shout, actually. Spanners needs to regain confidence <laughs> and get back to basics. You- and that was your... Comment of the week. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Oh, it's just coming through now on Skype that we have a phone call from Toto Wolf to apologise for his naughty words. We don't have time to take it. Hopefully we can get you on next week. The advice I always give is that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This is Missed Apex. That show did not go the way I was anticipating. I, I thought everyone was going to agree with me. What amazing point spanners. Best show ever. Why? Because you got taken down by the chat room once or twice. What, like, through the whole thing. And we had to look at more of Ryan's forehead now that he's got a haircut. More of that greasy forehead is revealed. <laughs> Stop scraping it back. It's disgusting. <laughs> Your face is disgusting. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.